broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Midtown Business Radio. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's C.W. Hall. Thanks for joining us on the Midtown Business Radio show today. A beautiful April day, I have to say. In spite of the traffic, it was gorgeous driving through Atlanta today. And now the pollen seems to have kind of come down a little bit, not quite as bad as it was before. That's right. It's almost tolerable. I've been co-located with the folks at Top Right Partners located here in Buckhead, taking advantage of this awesome view that they have here from the Top Right Partner Suites. And we've had the opportunity to do a series together over time, uh, meeting some really interesting CMOs from around the country. have an interesting guest from around this area sitting in the studio with us. And I know he's on a bit of a timeline. So we want to introduce us today. Yeah, guest. I'm really, CW, I'm really, really pleased to have uh, not only, a, I think, a great example of a, a successful sales and marketing guy, but uh, also just a really good friend of mine, Dan Campbell here, who's the founder of Higher Dynamics. And I'll let Dan uh, talk more about kind of what Higher Dynamics does. And great. then we'll launch into a few questions about why you've been so successful. Oh, super. Thanks, Dave. So Higher Dynamics is a leading staffing company focusing on uh, staffing kind of the 10 to $18 an hour workers in four specific segments, uh, call center, contact center, light industrial, which was supply chain, as well as manufacturing, as well as uh, office positions, those four categories, focusing predominantly in the Southeast. It's a business I started with my college roommate 15 years ago wow. and had a nice run. And so it's yeah, feeling really good about things. I would imagine that the customer base and the need for those folks is pretty high, particularly like in that manufacturing sort of sector. That, that's correct. Yeah. CW, I would say, and especially in today's today's tight labor market, yep. it's very difficult to find people. And so yeah, for us, it's it's all about being able to make the right match. We talk about finding great jobs for great people. And that's been our focus. Now, is the model one of a staffing on a temporary basis kind of situation. I, I need some some coverage uh, for a few days, um, whether it's vacation unintended or otherwise. Is it that pretty much all the way? Or is there a hybrid where if you need a permanent individual, we can help you find that person on some sort of arrangement, whatever that may be? Yeah, it's a great question, CW. I would say that predominantly what we do is we look to find people that ultimately are looking for a full-time job that will start off as temporary or contract, but mm-hmm. ultimately they'll be uh, full-time. Half of our people we put on assignment, we put roughly 6,000 people a week uh, on assignment are those that we're managing large blue-collar workforces, anywhere from 50 to up to 1,000 people that ultimately hopefully find a full-time job. And the story behind that is probably worth talking a little bit about when, when we get to that point. When when you're working with these individuals, and I, I came from a staffing background for the nursing world, oh, yeah. for example, and those employees were W-2 employees when they went out in the field for us, even though they were on a temporary assignment on the other end, they were W-2. Is that how this works as well? That it is. They're all that? W-2 employees. We have about 24,000 people a year that are W-2 employees. What we found through the process is that there's a high level of stress when people are looking for jobs and looking to find jobs for us, generally a very stressful situation. So the application process for the whole industry, not just us, but we follow a lot the net promoter score is that when they're in the application process, that net promoter score is a minus 20. And then when they actually go put on assignment, it goes from a minus 20 to a positive 20. But when you find them a full-time job, that net promoter score for those folks goes to a 70. So our focus really is on finding those people full-time jobs because that's where they're most satisfied. We call them our higher dynamics graduates program. So we track that a lot more than maybe our competitors do with the concept uh, around that 
once they find a full-time job there and we are able to maintain a relationship, we're likely to get a high number of referrals. Yes. We've also proven over time that four out of 10 people that find full-time jobs through us, ultimately at some point in time, become a decision maker when it comes to what uh, staffing companies. Yeah. So we play the long game, whereas nice. most yep. staffing companies, once they're off your payroll, you're no longer generating revenue. Mm-hmm. It's let's move on to the next one. So no, that's really a very nice, to... nice approach. Talk a little bit about the score that you're mentioning there. I'm not sure. Familiar. So uh, the net promoter score is a basic concept of uh, for one question on scale one to 10, what's the likelihood you'd refer to a 10 or refer a friend? And a nine or a 10 is a promoter, a six or a seven or seven or eight is neutral and a one to six is a detractor. So to determine your net promoter score, you just take your promoters minus your detractors and that's your net promoter score. So I see. it's what we really judge everything by is how we're doing on a net promoter score basis. I see. And with that focus on that permanent placement, I'm, I'm sure that they can see that you're really on their side. That's been the experience, and we certainly like to showcase those stories of success to give confidence for those that maybe have, they certainly have plenty of choices in Atlanta. There's 400 staffing companies in Atlanta alone, so which one do I go to? And so us being able to promote the idea you can get a full-time job certainly helps. You guys guys have also been recognized as being just a great place to work, right? Yeah, thanks, Dave. Yeah, Yeah. the... um, in, in each of our individual markets, as well as for the industry, we have been a perennial best place to work. And to, in the staffing industry, you basically have three people that you're focusing in on, and that is the talent you put on assignment, obviously the clients you serve, but also the internal employees. And what we've determined is that you can be successful with any staff, any strategy within staffing. You just have to figure out what is the most important. You have to put one of those first. And for us, it was all about putting our employees first with the concept in mind, back to the guy that created the whole net promoter score, Fred Reichel, that no one, especially in the service industry, has ever proven they can maintain client loyalty without first having employer loyalty. So yeah, if we have concept. an engaged yes. workforce, they're going to do a great job for putting people on assignment as well. As- Talk a little bit about um, yeah. how you communicate that, because that's a fair, fairly sophisticated way yeah. to create a value proposition for your, your target customer, right? Mm-hmm. The, the guy who's looking for people to fill that call center or that manufacturing facility. Talk a little bit about how do you tell that story? Because I think for, you know, for our listeners today, that's one thing that people always struggle with is how do you take a fairly complex mm-hmm. idea? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, happy employees make for good employees. Right. And yeah. <laughs> it sounds simple now that I said it, but, but it's really not. Mm-hmm. And, right. and how do you kind of crystallize that in a way so that the customer, the the, your your target audience. I have lived both sides of what you're talking about yeah. in the staffing space, working for a number of them over time. And I can tell you, I worked a whole lot harder where I knew my compensation was fair for the work I was doing. The work I was doing was not easy. Yep. And I had my compensation plan messed with many times. More money you start making, and inevitably somebody wants to change your compensation plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then just, you know, marginal management. So when you're investing, as you are, obviously, and as a company culture in making your people happy that are working with these individuals where they're trying to place. I can mm-hmm. see. How, so uh, sure. I agree. How do you get that out into this? In, and how do you tell that, how, tell that story in a way that's really compelling for the, for the I'm buyer? I'm sure your people say, right. oh, I love where I work. Right. Yeah. Well, for us, what we do is we start with what the value proposition and don't want to assume it, but ask the client what they're lo- really looking for in a staffing partner. And inevitably what you find is they say, I want to find good people that can do the job, but I'm also looking for a partner that really knows my business and can be innovative and not just use the traditional sources to find people. And our proof statement behind that is, okay, if you have two different staffing companies and you have one that's been able to maintain an internal retention rate with high 
you know, high satisfied people of 85 to 90%. Another one, which is more the industry average, which is 55 to 60% retention. They can all relate to the concept of, boy, it's frustrating. I spend a ton of time talking to my local staffing company and my local person of exactly what I want. And then that person turn over every six to 12 months. So when we're in a meeting, we can say like, this person's been here eight years. This person's been here 12 years. So they know they're getting the same people. And we're the only staffing company I know in the U.S., that has a deferred comp plan that pays out on a sliding basis solely based off what the retention rate is of our internal employees. So we actually put money behind. It's not just something we talk about. Man, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah. And, and I mean, what what a strategy, I mean, that that is laying in the wide open. I, I, I am somewhat impressed by the number of staffing companies I've worked for over the years that internally viewed those individuals who are making the business move as truly just completely disposable and easily replaced. Yeah. It's impressive that when when your when your service is placing individuals in in jobs that that you can have that mindset. I can see where this approach like you have it's it's one of those things that the, the basis of staffing in my experience outside of not being a tool if you're a good person on the <laughs> phone, you know, you can you you take care of your people and your customers both uh, employees and so forth. You're going to have some success, but it's all about being motivated to make the touches. Mm-hmm. And if you have those employees that feel like, man, when they when I do a good job, they're going to reward me. I'm happy. I'm going to work, and they're going to make those touches. So you're going to grow. And we talk about being a best place to work is a journey versus a destination. Yeah. And we get we take the survey feedback regardless of what our score is. Very serious. So a lot of it's internal marketing about making sure we execute on what they say that they need. We obviously can't do everything. We have to prioritize and we have to factor in what the cost is associated with it. But us internally communicating that and doing it through not just top down, but through a group of ambassadors that really promote how can we further drive the culture, regardless of what the rating is today, as well as their own individual development plans, especially for the younger folks that maybe have a typically, you know, in their career are going to move 13 different times during their career. What are you, what are we doing to ensure that we can have a higher stickiness factor than maybe other staffing companies that are out there? Dan, I'm, I'm just curious because, yeah. and I, I kind of, I'm going to ask you a softball question here, but, All right. but um, I think it'd be beneficial for our listeners to kind of, to kind of hear the backstory. Did you plan this all out? Like when you were sitting, you know, let's yeah. say 15 years ago, 17 years ago, when you first started the company, did you and your roommate kind of map this all out? Did you have it all planned? Or uh, what was the kind of the aha moment when you looked at, all right, the staffing industry is a great opportunity for us and we can really transform the way, you know, the customer thinks about the staffing business and, and, and put all those capabilities that you just described in place. David, I would say it's really evolved over time. The first time was the first time I was running a company out in Los Angeles. And I my prior company was one of which that was just the opposite of this best place to work. It was very successful, but kind of what got you here won't get you there. They were successful in spite of their culture, but, but because of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I went from a industry that was predominantly... Um, 90% male, kind of old school Manchester style, Manchester intimidation, discipline to one that was much more, that was 90% women and it was much more about providing empathy. And so I went into that first job in Los Angeles trying to use the old school style and had people crying in my office, quitting. So I'd love to tell you it was this beautiful strategy. It was more out of self-preservation to start with. <laughs> and over time, it's developed and said, not only is it just the right thing to do, but it it works. And so it's really evolved from day one at Higher Dynamics in 2001 to where we are today. Yeah, it's funny you asked that. I was, I was wondering, because yep. 
in some ways it would, some would say it's common sense, but it, it, I, I think it, as you've said, I mean, that's, that's the place I've worked is, is authoritarian and the beatings will continue till morale improves, <laughs> you know, that kind of place. <laughs> and, and when you are in the business of trying to put a, you know, human capital together with uh, the client that needs the particular kind and everything, I mean, you gotta have, you gotta have the, a well-motivated person to do it well mm-hmm. and to have that client call you back. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and to hear you grow by referral as you do, what have you found is a key for you in terms of being able to get those highly placeable candidates over the other guys? Because you talked about how many companies there are in the space. Obviously, the, any, you know, the barrier to entry is, is pretty low, but the barrier to doing it well is very high. Well, our initial strategy was really a marketing strategy around own your side of the street. So we want to be the biggest and best in Atlanta. Let's own Gwinnett County, which is where we started before we own Gwinnett County. Let's own Duluth. And so it was really kind of own mm-hmm. our side of the street and grow it out from there. Then through reputation is where we really drove the majority of our folks coming in from referrals. So we track the sources, what we have, and we have specific goals of the number of clients, talent, and employees we want from referrals. Even being a staffing company, you'd think the predominant number of people we'd find would be from outside sources, but even the internal 60 or so people we hire a year come from referrals because we've proven in all three cases that they generally stay longer, they're better employees with clients that generally um, better margins and they last longer. So it's really a you know whole idea. In fact, we have a philosophy that you know really what our vision is to be the number one staffing company you'd refer to a friend. So we do a lot of content leadership events for our clients and we push that theme. I'll just give you an example. So for example, we do a um, HR star program, which is the largest HR event in Atlanta, bigger than any of the Sherm events. It's once a year, it's 900 people. Um, it, we partnered with a guy that started it 12 years ago. He's in multiple cities and the marketing benefit out of it was the concept that we were able to provide him without paying a fee to to be the staffing provider, sole staffing provider, by providing him with 30 volunteers that were all wearing higher dynamic shirts that basically were with 900 potential clients. Some were actually existing clients, but uh, we were able to drive that. But what we did to drive our messaging around what higher dynamic stands for is when we went around the room and all the exhibitors got to talk about what they were all about, for us, it was, okay, each year we say, um, okay, higher dynamics philosophy or vision is around being the number one staff commute for a friend. We have a plant in the room. So if you can find that person who responds, yes, I am the, you know, the, the designated higher dynamics person, then we'll give you $100 cash on the spot. What you have is thousands of conversations. <laughs> it generally takes more than the majority right. of the day before they yeah. find the person. We don't have them there the first thing in the morning. CW, that's, that's guerrilla marketing at its best, right? I swear. <laughs> um, I want to come back to this point you made about, you know, kind of own your side of the street. Yeah. I think, I think again, this is a really important lesson, you know, and again, thinking just as a marketer for a second, you know, how powerful focus can be. And then, but focus doesn't imply that you're always going to be constrained, right? So you talked about Gwinnett County and owning Duluth. And I know for, I mean, from you and I talking about this in the past, you've, you've exited markets, you've sold businesses or, or geographies mm-hmm. when you didn't feel like you had the strength in that market to really own your side of the street, as you, you know, to use your words, talk a little bit about that process because okay. that sometimes is not real intuitive that you would get out of a market when you can't be number one. Mm. And, and I think the value there has really been the board of advisors that we've had since day one, as well as just Dave knows my YPO form to be able to provide that guidance. I can't say it was all on my shoulders and John's to come up with that concept, but we had people that really helped us say, "Hey, 
for, and I'll just give you a couple examples. We were five years into our history and while we were growing real fast, we were all over the place. We had a pharmacy staffing business, a executive search business and a finance and accounting staffing business that said, again, if we want to be the best, we really got to focus. So we ended up shutting down one business and selling the other two. But to answer your question directly, Dave, as well as we had a very successful business out in Nevada, in Reno, Nevada, where we had a $20 million business and we were the sole supplier in our space for staffing for Starbucks in all North America. So for all their distribution centers. So they use like a PRN pool of sorts there in their business as correct. well? Correct. Yeah. Okay. For all their entry-level hiring for their distribution oh, okay. centers, it all went it's through. like a temp to perm kind temp of to perm for, okay. And it worked real well. And so it was a great client, but their model changed. And again, we said Reno's a great market, but with no direct flights any longer from Atlanta, it took seven hours to get there. And yeah. boy, Greenville, South Carolina, why don't we just open up there? It's an hour and a half up the road if there's a challenge. So that was in, you know, another example of how we really kind of focused in on, on your side of the street. But we learned a lot of good marketing um, uh, lessons through the process of these other divisions we applied to our base business. I'll give you just one example. So we had a pharmacy staffing business which we felt like, much like CW, you're talking about nurse staffing, we felt like it was a space from scratch. We could become a leader in a short period of time. What we found is that pharmacists were relatively incestuous and in that if you weren't a pharmacist, they didn't really want to talk to you. I remember going to my first <laughs> pharmacy conference, Dan, nice to meet you. Are you a pharmacist? said, no, the guy turned around and walked away. That's so funny. I had two options. I could either hire a bunch of pharmacists at six-figure figure, uh, six dollar amounts or could find the most influential pharmacists in this, the various states in which we operated. We started with education, found the two deans of the pharmacy school, what we were trying to achieve, they agreed to. That was the easy part. Then we went down to the, the actual clients and went to a, a hospital and said, would you like to be on this board? Yes, I would. And then we went to retail, asked the guy from Walgreens, and he said, well, I don't know, a potential conflict of interest. We said, well, listen, we're only going to have one person from the retail. We've already got these people there, influential. If you don't do it, we're going to Rite Aid. And so kind of got those guys on board. And what we found is from that, while we ourselves weren't pharmacists, we had this influential group that was really driving and providing referrals into us and it gave us instant credibility. And we've applied those kind of concepts to our base business. Awesome. I, I promised that we would make you available for your next appointment that you have down in Midtown. So I've got about a minute or two left. Sure. You got a final thought because we're going to have to have him back. This is yeah, it's been some great. good stuff here and we could go on, I think, for a while. I, I, I mean, I, I'll close with a question, which uh, yeah. which again is sort of, I know I know Dan well, so I know he's just had a, a very successful exit with this business. What's next for you? What are you, what are you going to go do? That's a great question, Dave. Uh, I haven't fully decided what's been a blessing is that with the exit, it wasn't 100% exit. It was a majority exit, so I still have some equity. And they agreed to hire our hand-selected CEOs now a year on the job and doing a great job. So still staying on as executive chairman, so it's nice to still have that piece. I'd like to be able to leverage what my strengths are and my industry knowledge. So how can I monetize or add value maybe within the staffing industry as well as look at other opportunities? My only commitment at this point has been no full-time job through 17, <laughs> wait till 18. That's good. We should probably talk about the marketing staffing business we need to build. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think there's an opportunity there, Dave. That's right. Any kind of uh, websites or anything like that? You're in between now, I suppose. Any any kind of sources that folks should check out around? Either you think they're just good for someone thinking about how to get their story out, what, you know, resources that you think are, are good for folks to know about? 
First, if I didn't plug Higher Dynamics, all the guys at back at the home office. So again, HigherDynamics.com, www. So if you know anybody that's looking for a job or you want full time to work within the staffing industry, you have a client that has a need, uh, we'd love to support you. In terms of other opportunities, probably too many to really mention in this short time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if you've not done so, go by TopRightPartners.com. They have excellent information there. They've got a great blog. Um, many great articles that their folks are putting out. I've read several of them. We've talked about one or two here on the show over time. Uh, so I highly recommend that. If you've not done so already, in the upper left-hand corner of the show page, you'll see the Apple logo. That'll take you over to the iTunes store where the podcast lives. And make your, make sure you subscribe to us. That way, guests like Dan here uh, are downloaded straight to your device every week. You can check it out when it's convenient for you. We hope you turn around and share this information. Put it out on LinkedIn and, and social media. Help us get the word out about these cool opportunities. You may just be putting information in the hand to somebody that makes a big difference for them in their life. So we'll say thanks to the folks that do that. Guys, this was a good one. Thank you. I appreciate you coming in. You made it easy. Thank you. Everybody out there who made us a part of your day, we really want to say thank you so much. We appreciate you. We'll catch you up with you same time, same place next week. We'll see you then.